Boat Trader, America's largest boating marketplace, offering easy financing and over 100,000 boat listings to choose from. Sell, find, and finance new or used boats on America's largest boating marketplace. Visit BoatTrader.com to get started. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Hello and welcome to the Truth From The Stand Deer Hunting Podcast. I'm your host, Clint Campbell. And you're listening to episode number five. Today on the show, we're joined by Deer Lab founder, John Livingston, where he'll share how Deer Lab can help take your game camera pictures and turn them into strategies for patterning your target buck. Welcome to the Truth From The Stand Deer Hunting Podcast. I'm your host, Clint Campbell, and you are listening to episode number five, where today we're joined by John Livingston of Deer Lab. I must say I'm pretty excited to talk to John. Um, he's a really good guy. Uh, I met him a, a few months ago at a uh, outdoor event, and uh, we had a great conversation yesterday. Um, he can bring a lot of a lot of knowledge in, uh, to the, the, the deer world, and the product that he actually has um, and has uh, developed is really instrumental, I believe, in helping some of the uh, the next generation of hunters get a jump on pattering bucks and really kind of understanding their deer herd. But before we get John on the horn, I'm joined, as always, with uh, Phil Marchek. How is it going, sir? Get some. It's good. Good. Yeah, I'm a little I'm a little pumped up today. Today was one of those days at work where it was just kind of a uh, when you when you leave, you're just so excited to get out of work that you feel like you could run through a brick wall. So I might sound like I'm jacked up on Mountain Dew. You might, in fact, also be jacked up on Mountain Dew. No, well, I, I, I don't. <laughs> I don't. I don't drink. I don't Looking drink at the soda. empty Mountain Dew bottles next to you, <laughs> I, I don't. I don't partake of the uh, of the what is it? The the, the sugary dew? beverages. <laughs> yeah, the dew. Shall, shall we say? Yeah. I don't do the dew, um, but uh, maybe maybe I should. Maybe that's what I'm. Maybe I'm, that's what I'm missing. But uh, I've heard good things. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I hear it's uh, pretty pretty slamming. It's intense. Um, but yeah, so we have John on the phone, uh, Phil. I know you and I kind of chatted just a little bit about him, and just you know, in full disclosure for the for the listeners, <clears throat> I met John at the Harrisburg Outdoor Show last year, and he was in the Archery Hall, which is obviously where I spent most of my time, and. He has a really interesting product, and I'll, of course, let him explain it further because he'll, you know, explain it much better than I could and, and, and probably say a lot more smart things than I than I would. Uh, but essentially, he has uh, he's taken the deer woods into the into the software computer land, um, you know, and some folks, you know, bear with us to, you know. Don't click the uh, the dial or or hang up at, at this uh, at this moment if you're not into technology because I don't think it's something that is super challenging to use. His user interface is pretty awesome. It's uh, it's pretty simple, and I think what you get out of it for as uh, as simple as a, uh, a tool as it is 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 pretty amazing. Um, I've used a couple different platforms similar to this. 
uh, in the past and have used uh, the Deer Lab platform as well and can honestly say that I, I, I do prefer the Deer Lab platform. And of course, everyone's probably thinking, well, what is this platform? We'll let John kind of explain that. But this is really kind of a really uh, geeked out version of uh, Deer Hunting Podcast for Phil and I because we've both, you know, Phil currently still works in technology and I, I have in the past worked in technology. So for us, this is really the the coalescing of two things that we're really into, which is deer hunting and in in nerd computer talk. If you like heat maps, this is your thing. <laughs> hold on, whoa, hold on, hold on to your shorts, man. Heat maps, get out of town. But it's hot. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. hot. But I, I I promise those of you who are listening that it won't be too too nerdy. You will definitely get some uh, some worthy deer material out of this. Um, and John's just a, is just a great guy. So I think it'll be a it'll be a fun conversation. I'm looking forward to him sharing his his hunting story honestly because we uh, had a nice phone call last night and his hunting uh, his hunting story is pretty uh, pretty good. He, he he did a little primer test with me and it's a it's a pretty good story for sure. For but o- sure. otherwise, Phil, what are you uh, what have you been up to? Uh, uh, you know what, aside from, you know, I, yeah, aside from my paying job, unfortunately, uh, yeah. I'm actually, I'm heading out to, uh, to my folks this weekend. Um, awesome. and I'm going to get back out into the field. Uh, I have a, a ladder stand that I got delivered in mail to their Sweet. house earlier. So I'm looking to put that up, um, as well as get in there, clear some trails and, uh, you know, hopefully see if my trail cam is still there, which considering the past, um, events that have happened i'm actually not so confident it's still there but uh yeah trying to get back there it'll be nice nice to uh to check it out and um i hear you might be in the area as well possibly so uh yeah the nice uh first off i want to thank all the folks who have been downloading the podcast i should have mentioned it at the top but uh just want to give a big thank you to all you folks this last podcast that we put out with jerry lannon on the predator hunting stuff really kind of uh did much more than we had anticipated um you know you guys downloaded it pretty pretty feverishly our numbers continue to grow and we can't say thank you enough to you folks because you guys you know the guys and gals who are listening are the ones making it happen so so thank you but jerry did reach out the the the, the fellow we had on last uh, last podcast um is doing a seminar actually at cabela's in hamburg pennsylvania and extended an invitation for me to come up and kind of check it out and spend some time with him and his buddies so i'm going to take advantage of that and i'll be of course up in your neck of the woods phil so maybe yeah, yeah. we might be able to uh Maybe we might be able to regroup up there, get together. I can check out the uh, property at your at your parents' place. Yeah, man, totally. Um, it's going to be a, at least a full morning endeavor. So, uh, but uh, we'll be around for most of the weekend. So nice. Yeah, and I obviously just got back from you know the the vacation with the family, which was nice and relaxing. But of course, jumping right back into the frying pan. <laughs> you hear that work. sizzle? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's been my brain yeah, since I got exactly. back to work, essentially. Um, but the vacation was good. There was one funny kind of story. And so we went to North Carolina and we, last podcast we did, I was at my dad's and that's where I recorded it. And he lives in Raleigh, which is, you know, nice, nice Southern town. Always enjoying my stay there. And then my wife and daughter and I took off and headed to Asheville into the mountains. And Phil, I don't even think I mentioned anything to you about this. Um, but we got to Asheville. It's a nice quaint kind of boheme hippie hippie kind of town you know it's uh i'm skeptical i would say yeah it's i would refer to it almost as the colorado or the boulder you know if you will if you went to the town level of the east coast nice yeah i kind of walk around there going i'm not quite sure what anyone does for a job in in that place um (laughs) how do you guys pay for things here yeah, but I saw plenty plenty of folks driving relatively nice cars, um, so I'm assuming people work somewhere. 
But um, there was a fantastic chocolate shop that was uh, does gourmet chocolates. And my wife and my daughter are super into chocolates. And to be quite honest, I have not ever been known to turn down good chocolate. Mm-hmm. So we headed into this chocolate store and we're standing. And it starts pouring down rain. And when we got there, the town square was completely full. There was some type of street party that was going on. You know, lots of folks, you know, pandering their their goods, whatever it might be, from hemp necklaces to art to what have you. And then, you know, the the folks handing out whatever literature they were handing out as you walk them by. And if you deny them, they were really polite about it. They were like, hey, brother and sister, no problem. You know, so... If, <laughs> Pretty cool, guys. <laughs> yeah, I was like, well, that's... I was like, he handled rejection better than anyone in the city of Philadelphia would, so... Watch I was out. Like, yeah, I was like, the, the hippies might have something going on there. But, uh, so... We went to the chocolate shop after the street thing kind of came to a close. We actually went out to a nice dinner and had a good dinner and stuff. And we left there and we're looking for dessert. So we went to this chocolate shop, starts pouring rain. And there's a line out the door to get into this chocolate shop. Like not like a small line, but there was like, I think we waited probably 30 minutes to get into this shop. You get in there and they have all kinds of weird, crazy drinks. Um, You know, some of them, you know, adult beverage style drinks make, you know, with their gourmet chocolate and stuff. And as I'm standing there watching this monsoon storm kind of approach and just kind of hammer down on us, and we're under this awning, we're still kind of obviously getting a little wet because you're not going to get, get completely out of the rain. Mm-hmm. I look over across the street over where the fountain is, and I see someone with their shirt off. And I'm like, you know, it's this, it's they're, they're, I guess, clad in hippie attire, if you will. And uh, I was like, oh, okay, you know, hippie, no shirt on, walking around. They turn around, and it is a lady with no shirt on, just kind of hanging out in the fountain in the middle of town. They're doing something right down there. I'll tell you (laughs) what. That's what I'm saying. So I'm kind of watching, and everyone else is kind of watching, and I'm just like, okay, so this is my first trip to Asheville. I've been here all of probably two hours, and one of the first things I see on the street is a naked hippie lady crawling into the fountain. I assume she was bathing. Maybe. I don't know. Um, so as we kind of got inside to the chocolate shop, more people are watching by the window because there's a lot of people in there because of the rain and watching the, the hippie lady walk around half naked. And then I ended up getting our stuff and we, we ate and we're getting ready to leave. And I was talking to the lady at the exit of the chocolate shop. And I was like, and she turns around and she looks and she says, man, that lady's still out there. And I was like, yeah, I was like, it's wild. It's like, she's not, she's been topless like the entire time. I didn't see a cop. There was like nothing like everyone. It was just cool. Hold like, on. Hold do, on. I guess she was a cop. Wasn't she? She was a topless cop. It's like, it was really hard for them to place the body cam on her. Um, there was nothing. <laughs> so, but she informed me that going topless in Asheville is legal. Oh, yeah. That was kind of my response. Taken aback, I was like, oh. I was like, we. So you guys, when you say you like, you're into the into freedom. Like you're pretty. Uh, you know, you, you kind of follow that to a T a little bit. There. You know, I hear it's it's actually legal in uh, New York City as well. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Talk about progressiveness on the East Coast. I you guess. don't see it as much. A lot of people, <laughs> a lot of shirts. Yeah. But uh... <laughs> a lot of people, a lot of shirts. People selling plenty of shirts it's these true. days. <laughs> so that was my big aha to um, to Asheville. As I saw a half naked hippie lady bathing in the fountain. It's quite the aha. Yeah, I mean, I was. It made my trip quite honestly. I mean, I could have just turned around and went home after that. It was like, it was, all right, was pack it up, guys. Let's go. Come on. I mean, the hiking to the Blue Ridge Mountains didn't have anything on the hippie lady with no clothes <laughs> on. Nothing else to see uh, here, right? Or the horseback riding through the uh, Blue Ridge Mountains. You know, that was uh, hippie lady kind of topped all that stuff. Yeah, so. wow. 
but yeah, that was my trip. It's, I, I did make it back home, getting back on like some deer oriented stuff. Cause we're kind of rolling to the, uh, to the bad place here. Um, I did get back to the farm this weekend and I will have to report with a bit of disappointment mm. that game cameras not looking so hot, man. Mm. Got, gotta say, like I had some promise there on the initial look, whatever it was there. I think it was around the 4th of July. Um, but this this set here was uh, was a no go. I, I did not have any of the shooters that I had on the initial uh, card pool that I did. Yikes. None of none of them showed back up. Um, of course, we've you know here in Pennsylvania we've been in kind of a, a bit of a drought. So you know, my best guess is that you know they're laying low near the creek bottom where there's water. Possibly is what I'm guessing. Um, the one. Co- the one camera I assumed we weren't going to get a ton of pictures because where it's placed is uh, there's not a lot of drive-by, especially since the new food plot kind of grew up because it's probably four and a half feet tall. Now it's got sunflowers in it and forage beans and forage forage uh, peas. Nice. And so it's it's kind of tall and nasty. And there I did see some beds in there. I kind of checked it out. There's deer bedding in there. So I know that they're in there. Just nothing came by the camera. But the one that kind of shocked me was the Cloverfield. I thought for sure we would see something in there. And there was a... Uh, there was nothing. And then I did have an on-the-hoof sighting, though, which kind of redeemed my weekend. I went to check a camera, and uh, as I approached the camera, I did see a nice eight-point. Um, so that was kind of off in the distance. Uh, don't think he winded me or saw me. At least he didn't act as though he did. He did leave. Mm-hmm. Um, so he may have just thought something was up. You know, So I don't think I really bumped him. Uh, but did see him. So that was just a, a little bit of redemption. And we did do a little bit more work with uh the the trip to ohio um got a chance to get with tate and eric eric's all ready to go and the trip is shaping up to be pretty awesome man i know i text you and said we have room obviously for one more yes, sir we have a camper and a campground that eric likes to take um he actually it's funny i didn't even, i didn't tell you this but we he pulled out the maps that he's used in the past and pulled out the one i was like you know so where do you like to go because i think we're going to scout the weekend of september 10th i think is the day that we're actually going to be out there i think that's a saturday mm-hmm and uh, I was like, where do you like to go? And he pulled out a map. And no lie, he had exactly pinpointed the areas that he's been in the past six, seven years that he showed me was exactly the place that I pinpointed on Google Earth that <laughs> I wanted to go scout and check out. So should have pulled up, should have pulled up your, your, your cell phone and be like, yeah, it's better. It's digital. So you can zoom in and out. Right. Well, I did have my laptop, so I did like fire that up and, and show him. But he had everything kind of mapped out. Nice. He likes to hunt the, the one uh, uh, river bottom where we're going to be headed. And uh, he had it all highlighted in yellow, and I was like, "What's the yellow highlighter for?" You know, and he was like, "That's the road to corn, my friend." <laughs> so <laughs> solid, yeah. So pretty stoked about that. That seems to all be coming together. I'll have more to report, obviously, when I get back from that scouting trip. Very cool. Uh, there at the beginning of September, but yeah, I'm hoping you can make it. I think I think we are going to go out the beginning of November, that first week, probably like around November third. I think is the the plan. Okay. Okay. Cool. Yes. So it'll be for a couple of days, and then we'll head we'll head back. And I'm honestly just going to play it by ear and kind of go where the wind blows me. If the if the weather's better in PA, I'll hunt PA that second week in November. If it's better in Ohio, then I'll I'll jump in the truck and head out to uh, Ohio and, and and catch some better weather out that way. Sounds like a plan. Yeah, but uh, I mean that's all that I have to re- to report on. I know that John is uh, getting ready to f- get fired up here and, and and dial in. Do you have anything else you want to cover off on or share? Because uh, sharing is caring, Phil. So, so sharing, let's see how much you care. Sharing is caring. You're right. I, you know, I have a lot of things per se to share. Uh, <laughs> not as relevant to this podcast, so we can follow up on that after this. Um, but no, right. I think I think I'm good on this end. 
All right. Well, with that, uh, then we'll go ahead and get John dialed in and uh, talk about some Deer Lab. All right. Let's do it. Got it. All right, we're back here with uh, John Livingston uh, from Deer Lab. As I as I had mentioned at the top here when Phil and I were chatting, I'm super excited to have the conversation with John. We had a chance to catch up a little bit last night. The first time I had met John was at the uh, Harrisburg Outdoor Show, and the product that he and his company has developed is, for me, is pretty transformative. Um, you know, I, I'm a guy who likes to run a lot of trail cameras, and I've always kind of struggled with a way to aggregate all the information. And what John has done is kind of made the the, uh, the folks who are deer hunting nuts and, and game cam nuts giving us a tool to really be able to kind of pare down that information and make it something you can actually use during hunting season. But before we dive into all that, because John will explain it in a much more smart fashion than I probably can, uh, we'll go ahead and uh, tee up a conversation with John here. So, John, how are you doing? I'm doing well. I hope I can uh, meet your expectations. <laughs> well, hey, I think uh, I think. It, it, the, Phil and I set the bar pretty low, so I think you'll be okay. Yeah, John, seriously, <laughs> this is like low hurdles here. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, John, you know, with that introduction, can you give us a little bit of background about yourself? I know, you know, I'm a little bit familiar with who you are and, you know, what, what you do in the uh, the world of hunting and beyond. But for the listeners who, who don't know, can you just give us a little bit of background about your hunting past and your professional past and, you know, what what all has come to head with, uh, with Deer Lab? Sure, definitely. Um, well, first, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Um, I'm not the average hunter. I've only been hunting for um, about six years now. Um, it was kind of a crazy story. Um, I, when I turned 40, my son was one, and I was out on a date with my wife. And I was trying to think of you know things that I would really like to do with my son as I get older. I was uh, 15 when my dad turned 40, so there was like a 15-year difference. And um, we were talking, and over the past probably six months or so I was going down the street and shooting a bow with a friend and just really enjoyed it. And, um, I've always had this, um, desire to bow hunt. And so, um, I told her that at, at, at dinner that night and, um, that was kind of that. And probably about two months after that, um, we had our what a wedding anniversary and she um surprised me with a matthews bow and basically said this is your ticket to learn how to hunt and to take reese and um and bring home dinner so that's that's a keeper right wow. there yeah. wow. <laughs> first off i want to know how she knew matthews like, how much research did she do because she has she had to have not known anything to that point right Oh, no, not at all. And uh, I have have a good friend that is a big hunter, and she basically kind of bent his ear, and he actually went out to the bow shop with her and picked it all out, and they – I mean, it was it was set when I got it. I was she's a, a CPA, and so she's very frugal with money. And typically, <laughs> I don't get a gift more than fifty dollars. And so it was I was blown away when she gave it to me. Wow, but that was nice. really, you know, I, I kind of credit Deer Lab and a lot of the stuff that I'm doing right now. I would have never thought that I would have been in this position um, just you know seven years ago. Right, um, and so. I'm a big research person, and so I started, you know, getting online and researching everything that I could. I was uh, probably read every QDMA article out there. Mm-hmm. Um, another uh, resource was Whitetail Habitat Solutions with Jeff Sturgis, and just trying to get as much information. And I had a friend that took me under his wings, and um, just really fell in love with uh, being in a tree stand away from a computer, which I'm in front of a computer eight, ten hours a day. 
And so it was just great just getting away and being in the woods. Um, I'm from Florida, uh, northeast Florida, real close to the Georgia border. And hunting here is terrible. <laughs> so um, it was, you know, it it's still a lot of fun, you know, going out there, trying to do food plots and, you know, whatever it might be. Um, um, I don't have land. I, I uh, have a friend that owns some land that he's um, – been gracious enough to let me and a friend hunt on. And so that's kind of how Deer Lab all started. It was, I'm big into research. Um, mm-hmm. I started looking, I was buying trail cameras and seeing deer, but I, I, I just knew that there was a lot more information. Um, I have a web background. Mm-hmm. And so I was trying to pull that information. I had Excel um, spreadsheets and just looking at, you know, okay, what was the weather during this? Um, you know, what was the wind direction? Things like that. And it kind of clicked. I'm like, I could I could create a web app off of this. And so um, I did some research, looked around out there. There was one um, that I found that was PC only, and I couldn't even install it on my computer. I'm a, I'm a Mac guy. And so um, it kind of started from there. I have a friend that I've always wanted to work with. He's a really good programmer up in Greenville, South Carolina, and we've always been talking about different ideas of what we could work together on. And I presented him the idea, and he was all for it, and we started it up, and we probably worked on it for probably seven, eight months before we launched in, um, I want to say, September, October of 2013. Nice. So when when you mentioned your... uh your buddy's uh, property that you go that you go to hunt. I always just kind of like to ask for for 2015. You know, how was your uh, how was your deer season? Was it was it pretty okay, or was it uh, or did you bite the bullet like I did? Um, 2015, I shot a doe on the last hour of the last day. It was terrible. <laughs> it, was, it was really bad. Um, you know, it's more terrible than that. Not shooting at all. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Well, the crazy right. thing was um, he let us hunt on this property that was probably 800 acres, and it was great. And we spent um, a few years trying to you know get it into a place to where um, you know we were seeing more deer and had food plots and everything like that. And then one day he decided that he wanted to make a cow pasture, and so they leveled all 800 acres of the property that we were on with all of our food plots, everything that wow. we've done. And the good news is he had a property next door that he allowed us to go over to, but um, it was it changed the way that we hunted for 2015. Right, for sure. Were those perennial food plots? Uh, yes. Oh man, that's a that's a bummer. That's yeah, it's quite, I can't, quite a disruption. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Let's let's get rid of that bad memory first and for, <laughs> foremost, and it's moving move, on. <laughs> moving on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I know you had mentioned, you know, you, you you'd been wanting to work with a buddy of yours, and and you were aggregating all this data, obviously, and whether it was in spreadsheets and and what have you of these trail camera images and so forth. Um, and you had mentioned you wanted to develop some type of web app that where you could aggregate this information and really make it usable. So. What is Deer Lab exactly? Is it you know a soft? Is it software? Is it a platform just for the users at home so they have a better understanding of what this what this technology is? Sure, um, we call it a SaaS, which is uh, just basically stands for Software as a Service, mm-hmm. and so it's all web based, um, the from phone to 
the browser. As long as you have a browser, um, you can access it um, on any device. Um, and so, you know, people there, – there's been, um, you know, people saying, you know, I wish I could download it and have it on my computer. We decided to go with a web-based service. Um, one, it's really easy to make updates to. Um, we're constantly adding new features to Deer Lab and, you know, there is software out there. Um, well, at least there was software. I think they're out of business. Um, they haven't updated in probably three or four years, but it only works on PCs. And, and that was one of the biggest things for me is, you know, we have customers all over the world and we have different types of computers and Really, there's just kind of the one, you know, as long as you have a browser, you can use it. And so that was kind of the biggest benefit to where we don't have to, say, update the PC version or update the Mac version or the iPhone or the Samsung or whatever it might be, Android. Right. And so um, it is a web-based service. Um, so it, it might be a little bit different. There's not many web-based services for the hunting industry out there. Um, it's definitely becoming, you know, the the staple in the industry when it comes to developing software right so i know you you'd mentioned you know you were pulling game camera photos and and so forth and you just thought there had to be a better way and it's kind of what led to this but was there it obviously your background and your your passion for hunting kind of led you to this point of like hey how do i how do i merge these two but was there an aha moment where you were going through things and you were just thinking to yourself this is ridiculous why why isn't there an easier way to do this um, you know, I think just spending time in Excel and just all the time of just pulling weather data and, and various things to trail camera, uh, to specific photos. And really, um, I don't, I don't necessarily think that there was an aha, aha moment to it, but as the more I started thinking about it, um, it was, it just made sense. And, and there's just so much data a lot of the trail cameras out there, they will give you moon phases and, and they'll give you a temperature and all. But depending on the trail camera that you get, a lot of those sens- sensors are pretty cheap. And mm-hmm. so they're not giving you really accurate information. Um, now, we're pulling data from, well, in the U.S., about 20,000 weather stations. And so we'll pull it from the closest station, which typically is pretty close. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's while, for instance, we have a, a feature in, in Deer Lab that tells you how um, the wind and wind direction, wind speed is for a specific buck, you know, properties are going to be different. We can't say that, you know, the wind is going to be exactly like this at this Mm -hmm. point on your property. Um, You know, I wish wish we could do that. The only way that you could do that is to have your own weather station maybe at that certain location. Right. And that's at that point, it's like, you know, what you guys are doing is giving the, you know, your prevailing wind at at this moment was is X. Right. And if you really want to get into the granular of what the wind direction at a point is, you really just have to do you have to take it upon yourself to do the weather mapping. But I think what you're technology is able to do is to able to give you that starting point right it's like you have to figure out your stand location of what the wind is going to do specifically there but if i know um, that a buck is going to move on a west wind 
you know, a west wind is a west wind no matter where you're standing. Now, it might swirl and, and play differently over a, right. a knoll or whether you're in grassland or whatever the, the case might be. But you have that's kind of you using your hunting woods. And I think that's the distinction I want to make is like some folks think that when you start to impart certain pieces of technology into hunting, that you're kind of supplementing or reducing the woodsmanship. And I think the opposite of that. I think that your technology actually helps you take your woodsmanship to the next level because you're able to actually make good sound decisions and actually able to make woodsman decisions about specific points and locations based on the information you're able to give them. Yeah. Completely agree with you. you So, so I think, you know, next, you know, you started diving into some of the features here, uh, there just a minute ago. And this is the part, you know, and I don't know if you remember when we talked at the Harrisburg show, but you started mentioning some of the features and my eyes just like completely lit up because yeah. <laughs> my, my nerd sp- moment, yeah, nerd my, moment. <laughs> my spidey nerd senses just all of a sudden went off. I was like, whoa, all the stuff that I want to be able to do, this thing does, would, you know, would allow me to do. So I think, you know, is it easier for you just to kind of start to walk through a use case of, of, of a user, you know, say, just take filler eye, for example, that we're now going to start using deer lab and we have, you know, an average number of cameras or do you want to kind of just kind of start and kind of begin to like bullet list them? Is it easier to kind of walk through a use case? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Sure. Okay. Yeah, let's do that. So and I'll, I'll kind of pipe in with any, any questions I might have along the way. Okay, sure. Yeah. So, um, when you get down to it, deer lab basically is a tool to manage and analyze your trail camera photos. That's our kind of central, um, core as far as what we're trying to do. We're trying to do everything that you can do with a, a trail camera. Now, there there's a ton of you know web apps out there that do a whole slew of different things from measuring your food plot to you name it and that's really we, we're trying to keep it as simple as possible make it as user friendly as possible um I, when when i designed it it was i was targeting the guy that was maybe 50 60 years old that had property um mm-hmm. but it really is you know something that anybody can use but uh, I would say our average user probably has uh, more than four or five cameras. I mean, we have we have guys that have two or three cameras, and then we have guys that are running over two hundred cameras using the system. Wow. Um, that's that's a small percentage, but uh, I would say most guys are over five cameras. Maybe some of them have multiple properties. And so, um, and I'm assuming some of those guys who are running those, you know, if you get up into the hundred or so range might be an outfitter potentially. Yeah, I would say outfitter. Um, cause I think that's a good distinction to make. This is, you know, isn't a, uh, it's as in depth and can handle as much as you want it to handle essentially. So from beginning user to the most complicated user, you, you kind of cover all bases in that sense. Knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Right, right. Yeah. And so, you know, it's as easy as basically having your SD card like you normally would go through the process. You'd go pull your um, SD cards from a trail camera. You'd come back home. You'd put it in your computer. And typically most people would just put it in folders. They would either say, oh, these are great pictures of this particular buck. And they would have a folder where it's a, it's a, a certain buck name. Or they might do it by cameras and dates and and 
you know, that's what I was doing initially. And I had folders and folders. And, and when you went to go look for certain pictures, it just wasn't very easy. And then you might have all the buck pictures um, in your in a specific folder. But if you're running a lot of trail cameras, it's hard to determine where each camera was. And it just becomes a, a mess, um, right. even though, you know, you have nice pictures. And so you basically put the pictures in your computer and then you just can drag and drop them into Deer Lab. We start you off as you, when you sign up. Um, we have a free trial, and you can sign up. And you basically start by creating your own property. And it's as easy as just zooming into a satellite map and saying, "Okay, this is the general vicinity of my property." Right, and that's you're pulling that in from Google Earth. Uh, we use a service that is different than Google Earth, but it's very similar. Because um, I, I know whenever I when I was using it, it I mean, it got my property to a T. I could see the cabin on our property. Yeah. yeah. So we um, use a OpenStreetMaps, which is an open source uh, mapping technology. Uh, Google Earth or Google charges ten thousand dollars a year to start off with a subscription based service. So that's the reason why we didn't go with Google. Right. Um, but it's very simple and and, it, and it's really kind of – you can either put your GPS coordinates in if you want to do that. I personally don't do that. Or you can just zoom down right into the tree that you want or the tree that you have a camera in and just drop a pin. And it's as simple as just tapping where that camera is on a satellite map. And so the the – person that's creating an account, they would go in, they would create their property, and then they would drop pins where their trail cameras are. And when they're ready to upload photos, they would just select the camera that they have the pictures for, and they would drag and drop um, their photos to that camera. Right. And you can name the cameras, right? That way you can... Yeah, we go by camera locations. And so we, we really don't care about the type of camera it is or... Right any of that it's it's more of kind of a, a location that you can kind of be familiar with so like i might have a, a t-stand camera location or a northeast food plot camera location something right. like that right so the uh, user is able to control that to make sure that they know which camera is which essentially that's correct that's correct and you can change the names and do whatever you want with that right um so you would then just upload your photos you can upload your current pool from an SD card, or you could go back. Let's say you have trail camera uh, photos from 10 years ago. If you upload those pictures and you know what camera took those pictures, then we will pull the weather data all the way back 10 years ago and pull it in for those photos. Well, if you have a if you have a picture of a ten year old buck and he's still around, you got a you got a toad. <laughs> I, know, yeah. I, mean, I was just using that as an example. But you can, either either that or you're doing something wrong. Yeah. <laughs> it, well, you know, not everyone uses it for bucks. Um, they we have people that are using it. Um, I know one outfitter in in Florida that's using it for gators. Okay, wow. I would have never thought that you could use it with gators. But you can tag any of your photos, anything that you want. So we have people using them for turkey, bear, elk, deer, uh, hogs, you name it. Um, actually, I was just right before I got on the phone with you, um, uh, somebody from Columbia was – they have camera traps and they're using it to do different species around I think Colombia and Mexico and maybe maybe Guatemala or something. Wow. So – it's really used by a lot of different people, but I would say definitely our main core audience would be um, 
serious whitetail hunters. Right. Um, you upload your photos. When you do that, we automatically, in the process of uploading the photos, we resize your photos in a number of different ways so you can have faster downloads on your phone um, as well as from a, just a computer browser. We also bring in um, weather data. The only thing that we need from your trail camera photo is a timestamp. We don't use any of the weather information that, that your trail camera gives you. We pull all of that information in from a weather station. Um, and then we automatically organize all your photos by date and give you kind of a visual of all of your photos um, once the down, excuse me, the upload is is finished. Um, so that's kind of the basics of it when it comes to just uploading photos and us automatically organizing um, your information. We right, have so, go so, ahead. So okay, so it's. Um I guess for a second, let's, let's think that I've, you know, Phil's uploaded his photos. He's got a couple of pictures of, of some nice bucks on there. Um, we've aggregated all of them, got them all uploaded. They're all obviously organized. You're pulling in the weather data for each of them. How do you go about, I guess, can we talk a little bit about the mechanism of how you would find a specific buck image if you were going to name it and how you go through that filtering and tagging and stuff like that to make sure that you know, that the users are able to get back to specific images when they need to, to, to recheck information or make sure that they're kind of tagging the same buck over and over again. So they have a uh, history of that, of that specific buck. Sure. Sure. So when your photos are in there, we give you tools to filter them however you want. So you can say, just show me all the photos from this camera or show me all the photos between this date range at this camera with a full moon or whatever you want to do. But typically if you have a certain buck, um, you might know that that buck is showing up at a certain camera or you have a lot of photos of them. What you can do is you can filter by camera and by date range to kind of narrow down um, the photos. And then we give you the ability to select multiple photos at once. Um, It's just a checkbox next to each of the, or inside the photo and you just go around and you check the ones that look like a specific buck. Um, for the guys that are that have tons of bucks, what they'll do typically is they'll go in and they will um, just select all of their bucks, and then they'll give it a tag with um, just the, like a generic tag like buck. And so you can create a profile for your herd if you wanted to, so you can kind of get data for all of the bucks. That, that are on your property. Um, and if you have a ton, then you can get into like antlers, you know, of how many points or whatever, and you can use those as tags as well. Um, and then you can start filtering those and narrow it down to a specific buck. Right. And we have a photo viewer that kind of enlarges the photo. And so you can see a little bit better with, with the points and everything. And then you make that decision as far as what you want to name that buck. It could be something very generic. It could be, you know, Big Daddy, Roscoe, whatever you want. <laughs> That's what I call <laughs> Phil. Yeah. <laughs> hey, 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 hey. That's just between you and me. <laughs> hey, hey, John, to, to that point, actually, with, um, I guess, kind of tagging bucks or tagging maybe one buck, um, and I don't even know if this is something that's possible in terms of, of deer specifically, um, but is have you looked into maybe doing like a, like some sort of like facial recognition for deer, for animals, kind of the same way as it's done for people? And I mean, if so, is that pretty cumbersome as a web service? Yep. Great question. Um, we have, we have been working with that. Um, 
the problem we have right now is the percent of accuracy and we can identify if it's a if it's a deer mm-hmm. but it's having a hard time identifying if it's a buck or a doe hmm. and so um i think there's a little bit more time until we get into those areas but but that is definitely something that i think would be very helpful as far as um eliminating a lot of the the bad edges and and uh-huh. trying to make it a you know working with trail cameras if you're running over 5 6 cameras or more it's very time consuming. And so what we're trying to do is really kind of save people time, give them a lot more useful information that they can use to hunt. And that that's kind of a, a perfect feature that would be great. Um, I wish the technology was a little bit better. Um, it takes – there is good technology out there, but the amount of time that it takes, especially when you have somebody that's uploading thousands and thousands of pictures at a time. For sure, um, yeah. it It's uh, – it's a resource hog, but it also takes a good amount of time before those results can come back. And I just don't know if people would be um, willing to wait right now. Right. Um, but it's, it's something that we're definitely keeping a close eye on. So the, cool. sub, the subtext there is stay glued to DeerLab.com for up, <laughs> for updates. <laughs> in, Thanks, in guys. <laughs> we, a- we actually are working on – something that's even more exciting than that but i can't really say it <laughs> um oh, but it's, it's a cliffhanger year. um we're, we're working towards it for next year but i'm i'm pretty excited about it nice Ge- geotagging geotagging deer all right. <laughs> yeah. nice. All right. So we got to the point now where I, you know, Phil, I'm going to use Phil as the, as the person, big daddy Roscoe, actually it's referred to him as that the rest of the podcast. Um, <laughs> that's right. We, <laughs> we've gotten through the, the point to where we've now we've tagged our bucks. Uh, we were obviously pulling in the data. We got all of our images uploaded and we're, we're following big daddy Roscoe around the farm. Um, can you speak a little bit to, and this is where I really kind of kind of freaked out because I know John, when you and I talked at the uh, at the Harrisburg event, you know, th- there had been other platforms that went the way of the dinosaur, and I, I had played around with a couple of those, and it really wasn't until I met you and kind of got hooked up with the the Deer Lab stuff that um, it really kind of met all my expectations. And the way you're able to track buck movement, because if I'm not mistaken, the way you capture those images or the way if you have multiple buck images, right? I'm just going to use a buck as an example. Mm-hmm. You don't take every image of that buck in that same location and and make it part of the profile. And that might be the wrong way to say it, unless there's been enough time lapse to warrant that it's been a second, um, a, a second visit to that specific site. That way, you're not getting a buck triggering a or a deer triggering a camera 10, 15 times in a minute. And saying that, well, you saw this deer 15 times, you know, and, yep. th- and then you actually put that into a visual heat map to where you can now start to see where these bucks core areas are. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because I think that that's important. And that to me was one of the differentiators from other folks who I think are, are yeah. uh, you know, doing similar things. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. That That is something that we do. So. We look at um, – we take the photos and then we also look at sightings and we basically count a sighting as a uh, one sighting for every 15 minutes. So one of the problems with so – after we came out, we had a lot of people that were trying to do some of the same things that we were doing and um, they are counting all of the photos in their stats, every single photo. So if you have a trail camera over a food plot, it's automatically going to take a lot more pictures of a certain buck compared to maybe if that 
that camera is over a trail or if the camera is on a different setting compared to maybe high burst mode or something like that. Right. And you might get, you know, 30 pictures of a specific buck in 10 minutes, you know, eating some brassicas, but, but it's automatically going to skew all of your results. So we kind of looked at it from a perspective of, okay, what is like a, a normal time frame that he would spend in the food plot? And we can't give you like a specific number, but we, we basically said, let's try to even out all of the trail cameras, no matter where it's located and do a sighting um, for one sighting for every 15 minutes. So if you have a hundred photos of this one buck in a, say a 20 minute segment, we're going to count that as two sightings. Right. Um, and so the, the beauty about that is for the trail, um, the camera that's over a trail, that buck might be coming down, like, let's say once a week or, or say once a day for the whole week. And you might have a total of five to seven sightings where, uh, but you only have maybe five or seven photos of them off of that one camera where he might go over to a food plot and you might have 30 pictures of them in a 10 minute segment, but we're not going to tell you that the food plot is the most popular time. Um, so we basically take that information and, and aggregate it. All of our reports, all of our stats, no matter what you're looking at, takes into takes into account sightings, not actual number of photos. And in all of our reports will tell you, you have, say, you know, 400 photos of this one particular buck, but we'll also break it down to how many sightings you have of that buck. Right. And then doesn't it, if I'm not mistaken, it then it, it then goes into a visual heat map where it shows you with a coloration of, you know, if people would just kind of visualize from hot to cold where, you know, if it's a circle, say, and at the edge of the circle, you could consider that the, you know, the bucks, um, one of his core areas. Right. And at the edge of that circle, it's kind of a lighter color denoting that that's a little less of the, the travel area. And as you get condensed where you're seeing more and more sightings, that color turns more and more red so you can kind of clearly see where the deer is spending most of his time right is that is that an yeah. accurate description? yeah definitely that's that's definitely accurate um because so that was we, we take sorry, those off of sightings as well and right. so um we will take all of the photos of that particular buck that you've tagged and we'll put it in a satellite view and so you can see where he's hitting what cameras at what times and we have a dial there that you can basically drill down into specific time frames so let's say you only want to see what he did last october so october right. 1st to 30th you can you know say okay show me show me what where he was on the property and the beautiful thing about that is even though every buck has a unique personality um they pretty much are very um they have a certain uh pattern to them so if if let's say a buck shows up on October 12th last year at a particular camera, you can almost guarantee, not 100% of the time, but almost guarantee that he's going to be really close to that area, say October 11th, 12th, 13th, mm -hmm. the following year. Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned that because there's one guy that I'm kind of going after um, this year. And he I had him sighted a couple places all over the farm. And it actually wasn't until I met you and I, and I dove into some deer lab and I threw uh, his his photos in and I tagged him and I could see what the weather was doing whenever he was visible on camera. 
And I actually have him where it was a significant heat map in three different places. So I was able to kind of this year, you know, for lack of a better way to put it, triangulate what his kind of route was. He doesn't show up on the farm till October 31st is when he shows up just about the past two years, I guess. He's, that's when we started getting pictures of him. He stays through late season, then he's gone. You never see him in the summer. You never see him in early fall. Um, so your technology has really kind of helped me understand when he hits our farm, one, when is it? Two, what winds are he, is he using? Three, what are his specific core areas where I'm seeing him a lot? And then, you know, four, just by deductive reasoning, I can kind of figure out which paths or, or routes he's taking between those different core areas. Yep. Yeah, I when when we did the heat map piece of it, that that has turned into my favorite tool in Deer Lab. I, really, I could look at that all day, every day. Yeah, <laughs> it's kind of addicting. It's awesome. Um, but yeah, I, I really enjoy that. Um, so. Yeah. So, yeah, go ahead. The one thing I don't remember though, are you able to kind of manipulate the heat map based on different uh, criteria? So are you able to change, you know, variables like, you know, so I want to see this buck on a west wind, show me the heat map for a west wind for this guy. We do not have that yet. Not yet. Okay. I couldn't no. remember. Is that uh is that maybe uh, something that's uh, on the horizon? John's John's writing it down right now. <laughs> yeah. We actually um we've we've had suggestions about that before and um you know we have we have a number of things that we're working on right now, but that is definitely something that we want to look into. I think that personally I think that would be a pretty cool tool to say, okay, just show me the movement from this wind direction for this particular buck on the map. Right. But you're, I mean, folks, you know, just to be clear, it's like, you know, the users are all, are already getting the wind direction with their, with their images. So if they just look at the images and kind of know that if a buck is moving on a West wind from that camera location, it's that sighting is part of that heat map. So they can kind of do the, the visual math, I guess themselves. So it wouldn't be too hard to kind of figure that out. Right. So, Cause yeah. you're giving them all the tools to, to kind of put the pieces together. Right. And, and, you know, one, one point I do want to make that, maybe a listener is um, not following, but when you start to tag photos, let's say you tag a, a buck, say his name is Big Daddy, you can create a profile for Big Daddy. And when you do, we basically aggregate all the information from all of the photos of Big Daddy. And then we give you things like what times he's hitting your cameras, uh, all of your cameras. Um, we also give you kind of a, a pie graph of sightings by camera of, as showing you what's more popular, what cameras are more popular than others. You can also filter all of your um, photos for Big Daddy by date ranges or even by camera. Um, we mentioned the heat maps. We also mentioned the uh, wind speed and wind direction. And it, all that data is specifically for that one particular buck. It's not necessarily all of your bucks, even though you could create a profile that just says, you know, show me what all of my bucks are doing and we can, you know, pull that together as well. Yeah, that was one of the things that I that I found, you know, along with the heat map was just the level of detail and taking a look at those charts and understanding, especially going back historically and saying, I want to see what this deer was doing in October versus November. Was there a significant change that might tip you off, you know, toward what type of food source change was there on your property, especially if maybe there's a property you're not all that familiar with. If you see a significant, significant change from one camera to a next, you know, deer typically do something for a reason. It's usually not on a whim. So you have to kind of investigate what was that change? Was there bad weather coming in? Was there, uh, was it because there was a significant food source change? Was there all of a sudden pressure on the property? So it really kind of helps you fill in all those, all those gaps. Um, so, so to speak. And to your point, it's not necessarily a, uh, 
a a one hundred percent bulletproof plan, but it's it's a lot of uh, it's a lot of good information to arm yourself with to help you kind of lead lead your season toward hopefully some some success for lack right. of a better way to put it. Right. So yep. once we have all this stuff loaded up, you know, I know we're dealing with all the camera images and so forth, but the one question I have is, is there a way that you can take on the hoof sightings, so live sightings and, and make a profile based on the live sighting? So say I've seen Big Daddy in the in the cornfield in the northern part of the property, and I've seen him in the western part of the property near a, a creek bottom. And then all of a sudden I have a, a visual sighting of him a day that I'm in the stand on the south part of the property. Is there a way to put that information in as well? That way you can kind of, you know, ha- make sure you're having your, your live sightings uh, data aggregated as well. Right. You can, if you want to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, I have done that specifically with videos. Um, so I'll put a, a dummy picture in and, I'm I'm kind of a graphic guy, so I'll create a photo that has kind of like a deer uh, video sighting or something like that. Mm -hmm. It could be, you know, just a a generic picture that you use that you know that okay, this is a live sighting, and you upload that picture. And I I have one picture, you know, on my desktop or whatever. And so anytime I have a video or or something like that, I can just drag and drop it, and you put it on the camera. The, the location that you saw that, um, we base everything off a of camera location. So if you were out in a field that didn't have a camera, that would be a harder, harder option to do unless you just went into the system and said, okay, there's a camera here, even though there's not a camera there. But right. when you upload that photo, you can change the timestamp on it if you mm-hmm. want. And we will automatically go in and pull the weather information from the timestamp that you give us, give us, um, and that's one way to put in live sightings. Um, I, I do that mostly with like videos of just saying, okay, I saw this buck off this video. And so I just want to record that. Right. But yeah. yes, I think you're on to something as far as being able to do live sightings um, and have that in there. We have not gotten to that um, yet. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, what I did, I think is if it was a perfect solve is exactly what you kind of described is I literally just went in and dropped a pin for a camera. I named it tree stand, whatever, you know, named the, the camera tree stand and then uploaded my image underneath that, underneath that location and then did exactly what you said, which was, it was then able to pull the data and I put my timestamp in at the time that I saw the deer and so on and so forth. And it was able to pull in all the data and acted as if I had had a camera image in there, which was just another piece of data. Cause how often do we as hunters see things in the woods while we're hunting, which is great information to have. And if you're like me, my memory isn't a, isn't like it used to be. So I don't often remember things once yeah. I leave, leave the woods and having a place to, to put that information is, is, is key for me at least. So I know we covered off on a, on a lot of the features and you, and we've talked about a few things that might be coming up in the future. So John, from your perspective, you know, your your battle cry from Deer Lab, what is the one thing, you know, that you that you think that Deer Lab is giving as far as advantages are, are concerned that you're providing hunters? Like what's your your the Deer Lab mantra? Well, I mean, there's a couple of things. I mean, we're trying to save people time and like you just touched on it as far as from a memory standpoint, um, you can see pictures and you can think, okay, I know this buck came in here, but we're trying to make it to where you're not second guessing yourself. I know that before Deer Lab, I would go out into the woods and I would second guess myself a lot of times as far as where I'd sit and where you know the strategy behind it. And so we're tr- just trying to give you a little bit more information to kind of arm you to where 
you can make wiser decisions um, with it. You know, our challenge is really educating people that and telling them there's so much more to your trail camera photos than what most people are just accustomed to. Um, they'll look at photos and they'll notice the time and maybe notice the location and all. But there is just a wealth of information in there, especially when you start putting them all together. And that's been our biggest challenge because we're going up against what everybody is accustomed to as far as just looking at pictures. And most of the guys, they'll, they'll look at a buck picture or whatever and say, oh, this is great and that's what I want to go after. But they they really don't know. I mean the heat map was really kind of that light bulb moment when, when I started seeing a specific buck on the heat map and going, wow, I didn't really realize that he was doing this. And then I have this all this historical information. So the next year I can really be way ahead of the curve from the data that I already have the year before. Right. Um, and especially for the guys that are, you know, waiting for, let's say, a three and a half, four and a half year old or, or higher deer, they'll pass on that deer, but they'll keep it, keep watching it. Right. You know, we have some features in there where you can um, just say you're watching a particular buck or uh, it's on your hit list or if it's harvested. And so just kind of a, a log of that information. But for for somebody that is targeting a buck, and waiting for a particular age before they shoot them, you know, this can be really, really helpful um, for their um, future hunts. Right. Just to, and to add on to that, I think the one thing that I think is really helpful is that, you know, everything you, you read as far as sitting in a stand is that your first set is usually your best opportunity to take, to make a, to, to take, make a harvest from that specific location. And for me, what you're you know, uh, product really does and your platform really does is allow me to know when that best time to sit that specific stand is. So I'm not wasting sets on a stand, burning it out, educating deer to make sure that whenever I set that stand, that I'm going to have the best opportunity out of the entire season at that specific location, because I know what's traveling through there. I know what type of wind it's, it's, it's potentially working through there. I know, obviously, you know, through deductive reasoning and the heat map, I can tell probably what trail he's working and just it, it allows me to stay out of that stand until I know all those conditions come together. You know, it's this wind or this kind of weather, this temperature, even barometric pressure, I believe, is even in the uh, in the uh, in, in the in the data set as well. So I think from that perspective, that's a that's a huge help when it comes, you know, to to targeting a specific deer on your property. Yeah. But John, I know you have, uh, have to get running. So I, I do want to get to this and I see the picture in the, the background, I believe the mountain. I wanted to, uh, always like to end with a, uh, a hunting story. So if you would take us on a hunting story from the time you got out of the truck till you got back telling the story around the, the trailer of the truck. Um, and I'm pretty sure I see the mount from that, uh, story. I had a, I had a little taste last night and it's a, it's a good story. So I'd love for the folks to hear it. Yeah. Um, so a bunch of my friends, a bunch of Florida guys that are not used to any mountains, um, decided to go to Idaho to, um, do an elk hunt. And I would say, I think there were six or seven of us. And I think only one person went, had, had been on an elk hunt before. And, um, so we, you know, are just practicing and trying to get in shape. You know, the only thing that has a hill around here is a bridge. And so we're like, you know, have like 30, 40 pounds on our back and right. just walking up and down the bridge, um, for months on end and preparing for this elk hunt. And I personally have never even seen an elk in person. Um, but we, 
just wanted the adventure. And so we all go out to Idaho and we get into camp and, uh, you know, it's kind of a self hump, self hunt. We, uh, we did have one guy that was just kind of, there's, he's probably 65 years old. His name was Roy. He was a mayor of, um, one small town in Idaho and he would always take off the month of September and just go watch elk. He would never shoot them. He would never hunt them, but, um, he was a friend of a friend and we got him to just, just tell us, you know, where, where do you think we should go? So he starts out, we start probably really early in the morning. Um, it was, I want to say three o'clock or so in the morning, that first morning. And, and again, we're all from Florida. You know, the altitude is killing us. Um, I'm huffing and puffing, um, at 10,000 feet and we, we <laughs> hike. A, it's a little better than sea level there. <laughs> oh, I, know, I, know. I mean, it, it was, it was, it, it was fun, but it was, it was really difficult, but we went in, um, eight miles that first morning over two ranges and um, about, I would say probably ten, eleven o'clock in the afternoon, um, in the morning, we we saw some some elk, um, and they were on the other side, and they were too far away from us um, as we were taking a rest. And we walk up to the top of this mountain area, and there's a there's a a, a nice wallow there, and fresh footprints. And, and I tell Roy, I'm like, this would be a great time to, um, you know, call out. And so he calls out and immediately we get this bugle back probably 150 yards away and we can't see the elk. And I run over to the left. He runs back about 30, 40 yards. And I was with two other guys. Uh, one was a cameraman and another guy, another friend, he went, um, straight on. And so <laughs> we hear kind of the wrestling and stuff like that going through the bushes and everything. And, and, uh, Roy has like this big old log and he's, he's, he's going up and down on this tree and making some bugles and, and some bleats. And, uh, it's cold. It, there was probably a 70 degree difference every day. It was crazy. Um, <laughs> It was cold, and I was in the complete wrong position. I was behind this tree, and this the elk comes flying in, just screaming, and stops on the other side of the tree of where I am. And my <laughs> friend, who had signaled me that he's coming your way, um, we're just standing there, and and I can see the breath of the elk from the other side. <laughs> It sounds more like a horror movie. I'm not going to lie to you. It sounds like the elk <laughs> is up to some dirty business right now. <laughs> and, um, you know, it on the plane the day before, when, as we we're flying in, that we were talking about a, a front shot, a, a straight on shot. And I never even would have thought about doing a front on shot. And, and we were talking about if you had to do it, you would do it here, but it's a low percentage shot and all that. And, um, Anyway, I'm behind the tree. I I I draw. I'm take like a couple of breaths, and I'm still seeing the breath coming from the other side of the tree. He's he's basically eleven yards away, and um, I take one step out, and he's facing directly at me. <laughs> and I mean, within a, within a, I would say half a second from a, from showing myself 
um, at the tree. I let one fly and it, it goes all the way down into fletching straight on. He makes this huge turn and just goes through the bushes. And um, the guy that I was with, that Roy, who was calling, just gets all over me. He just – he did not like that shot. I mean he was like – Cussing me out. <laughs> it was like this thrill of shooting something. Everything happened so fast. You you prepare so long for this. And then all of a sudden, you know, I never would have even – I was just hoping that I would see an elk that week. Right. What did you share with me yesterday? What's the percentage of a, of a, of a DIY, like a self-guided hunt? What's the percentage of even seeing elk or getting an elk on that type of hunt? Getting an elk is 10%. 10%. 10%. And there's there's some issues with wolves and stuff like that. And, you know, it's – Typically, the guys that are getting them are the they're getting multiple elk, but majority of people would never even have a chance. Um, and so I drilled him, and I mean he he dropped about seventy yards down from us. Um, but Roy just got all over me, and then he said, "But that was a bleeping great shot." <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, we have all this on film. Oh, that's and, awesome! And he comes up to interview me, the camera guy, and I can't even say a word. I was speechless. I was just like, I cannot, I mean, this, this animal was massive, um, or at least massive in my eyes. Right. Um, But, uh, we, we went down and, uh, (laughs) we gutted them and, and, uh, I took the head back that day, eight, eight, um, eight miles. And, um, they took some of the meat and then I had to go back the next day. We hung them in trees and fortunately nothing got them. And we came back, and it was around 200 pounds of meat. And uh, it was just – it was amazing. We saw one elk the rest of the week, all the guys, and we were kind of split up in two groups. Um, So I was very blessed and fortunate to be able to um, have that experience. I mean if I went on 20 other elk trips, I don't think that could ever happen again of just you know immediately seeing an elk the first morning of the first day. And being able to harvest one, it, it was it was amazing. Right. It's it, a, when we were talking yesterday, I was like, "That you're kind of uh, kind of spoiled in that in that regard." Now it's like <laughs> you kind of ruined for any other elk hunt. It's like <laughs> walk into woods, see elk, shoot elk, game over. <laughs> well, you know, you know what's interesting about that story, John. I think it, it kind of like you, you look at what you what you're doing here with uh, with the Deer Lab and, and getting all the statistics and, and compiling it and really trying to make informed decisions. At the end of the day, sometimes you can be as informed as anybody else out there, if not more. Sometimes it's just the luck of the draw. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that, that's sure. to me also that's that's a little bit of the beauty part about hunting as well. I mean, you know, you can have all these statistics, and trust me, I love statistics and and knowing and and being better informed. But some days it's just right time, right place. And yeah, I think uh, I think you know that can be some of the you know part of the blessing of being able to go out and do these things so yeah i completely agree with you for sure agree. but i know we're up on time here john so why don't we you know if folks want to learn more about deer lab what are some places that they can uh that they can go learn more find your find your product and, and tell us a little bit i know you have a partnership with cabela's and, and some of the offerings you have in terms of the different levels folks can get involved yeah, sure. Um, it's DeerLab.com, just like it's spelled, D-E-E-R-L-A-B.com. And that will kind of give you an overview of all the things that we can do with your cameras. We have a free trial there. Uh, it's a 14-day free trial. It really kind of lets you get in there and kind of see how to use it. Um, 
we walk you through many of the steps. We also will follow up with various emails and stuff like that, kind of giving you pointers if you, if you having a hard time. But it really is a a very easy tool. That's one of the things that our customers continually tell us is how easy it is to use. Um, and we have a a partnership with uh, Cabela's, or we basically with um, uh, three of the annual plans. Uh, we give e-gift cards. So if you subscribe to one of those plans, we'll send you an e-gift card from $20, $50, and $75, depending on the plan. We have month-to-month um, plans as well as annual plans. And the lowest uh, rate is around $7 a month um, for up to 10 cameras if um, in one property. And then it goes all the way up. It goes up to a higher level, all the way to unlimited uh everything. So, um, we, you know, we have a lot of different people use it for different reasons, but, um, I would say probably the most popular plan, um, is the annual plan just because it's a little bit lower cost. Um, but yeah, I'd love for, if anybody's listening to this to try it out, I, I do think, you know, we really are trying to show that your photos are, I, I think you will learn a ton with your photos that you probably just have not been able to see just looking at pictures. And um, that's what we're really trying to do. And we're also trying to really um, save people time. Um, I know for me, it's 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 difficult remembering a lot of the pictures. What, what, what time did that buck come by this camera, especially when you're running over five cameras? And, and I will say that if you have one or two cameras, we're probably not the best service for you. Um, the more cameras you have, the better. Um, we're going to provide uh, from a from a stat standpoint, but um, anything over four or five cameras, I think we could really help in that aspect. Awesome. Well, I can attest that the uh, the product works. Um, I like it. Have used it. We'll continue to use it. It's uh, it's helped me, and hopefully, it'll help me do more than just sit in a tree stand this year and hope. Um, but uh, go to DeerLab.com, check out their information. They have a wealth of information, like John said. Follow them on all their social media platforms. Um, and also, I'll I'll make one mention of one other thing is that uh, from my experience, John's very accessible. The folks at DeerLab are very accessible. If you have questions, they always are, are quick to answer um, and are just great people to, to be in contact with. So so check them out. And with that, John, I'll thank you for hopping on the call. I appreciate your time. And uh, I think we educated some folks today and uh, hopefully some folks jump on some DeerLab. And uh, best of luck to you in the upcoming uh, upcoming hunting season. I'm sure we'll talk before then. Well, well, thank you very much. I really appreciate you having me on. It's been an honor. All right. Thanks. Appreciate it. Right, thanks, John. Thank you. All right. That's it for today's show. I want to thank John again for joining us today. Be sure to go to DeerLab.com and check them out. They've got a lot of great content on their website and blog and give them a follow on all their social media platforms. Again, just want to thank all of you for tuning in and listening. Every podcast that we've launched, the numbers have increased with the downloads and listens. So just want to make sure we express how much we appreciate you folks taking time out of your, your day to, to, to listen to some deer talk uh, with Phil and I. So much appreciated there. As always, you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and Google Play. If you're enjoying the content, please go to iTunes and leave us a five-star iTunes rating. That would be very much appreciated. And until next time, we'll see you.
want to succeed. You want to fish. You want to be one of the greatest. Tune in to West Marine's Life on the Water, presented by Costa Custom Boats, every Saturday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. All right, gang, the new Truth merch is in stock at truthfromthestand.com and on YouTube below any of the Truth From The Stand videos. I've got some new hats, beanies, T-shirts, long-sleeve T-shirts, and sweatshirts. There's even a new do-hard-shit hat for those of us who like to embrace micro-dosing adversity. So head to truthfromthestand.com and check out the new gear and use the code TRUTH, T-R-U-T-H, and save yourself some cash on the new gear.